morning. Good to see you all here. All kinds of shiny, beautiful faces. I'm so glad you're here. I am thrilled you came to Generations this morning. If you're here for the very first time, we want to give you a big special thank you and welcome to Generations. Amen. That's cool. We can clap. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us this morning. There's a lot of good churches in our community. We're blessed in all of our good people here. Just the good people. Don't fellowship with the mean ones. Just the, the, no, no, no. They're all sweet. Everybody here is sweet. Everybody loves you, right? Hallelujah. But uh, we're just so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, before you leave, we would love to just get to know you a little better. Come back by our Welcome Center. It's right there in the North Foyer. Right as you're going out, it'll be right to your left. Miss Francine's out there, and her team is awesome. And uh, they just have a little packet they want to give to you. Just as our way of saying thank you for joining us today. And we hope you come back and see us as often as you possibly can. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to tell you about a couple of things going on before we jump in today's message, which I'm so excited about. First of all, uh, I want to... Uh, let you know that uh, Pastor Albert and Monica, you might notice these two seats right up here are empty. They're feeling under the weather today. Um, uh, my mom, that's my mom and dad. And, and so, yeah, surprise, that's how I got this job. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, my mom's been sick for a few days, and so she's, she's getting better. She's on the upswing, and then dad got hit with it, so now he's kind of, he's resting today. So we're going to give him the day off. We, we, we're not going to judge him or anything like that. We're going we're gonna to let him stay home, rest, get better. We don't want anybody else getting sick, but we're going to pray for them in just a second. And when we do that, also, I, wanna, I want us to uh, lift up all of our brothers and sisters in uh, northern India and Nepal and those uh, surrounding regions, as you probably heard on the news, a devastating earthquake just happened yesterday, and uh, it was just just within uh, a few hundred miles, uh, and in fact, there was, there were, there was damage uh, in the areas where uh, we have a lot of brothers and sisters. Um, Godam Salal, our good friend, or missionary who lives there in Siliguri, northern India, he's there. All of our precious, precious children who live at the Home of Hope Orphanage are in that area. Um, the town of Birpara, which is very close by, we're so happy to report all of them are just fine. Everything's, they're just fine. Um, so uh, praise God, no, no injuries there. Um, all of the churches, in our, we have built a lot of churches in that area. Um, all the people seem to be okay there, but there's a lot of people who aren't just fine, and a lot of people who've suffered a lot of devastation, loss of life, um, as well as uh, their areas, their homes, things like that. So we're going we're gonna to lift them up in prayer, and just here in a second, and uh, lift up pastors as well, because uh, prayer works in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we love you so much this morning. I thank you, Father, for all the people that have come here this morning. Lord God, we've been worshiping you inhabit our praises, Lord. You are so wonderful and so gracious and so merciful, Father. You are a wonderful Father. You are a good dad. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord God, for your move. We thank you, Lord God, uh, for, for healing in the, in the bodies of mom and dad and, and our pastors, Father God. We just thank you that you touch them right now where they're sitting and you just touch them. They feel your presence and your healing power right now. And uh, no doubt they're probably watching this service live, and we just thank you, Lord, that, that they feel it. They're praying with us in Jesus' Jesus' name, and uh, that healing is theirs. In Jesus' name, we pray, Father God. All of all of the people now, Lord God, we know their prayers being offered up right now all over the planet. 
no doubt to you, Father God, for these uh, precious people, the people all that, that you love, all of those wonderful people in Nepal and northern India and Tibet and those areas, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for touching them, comforting those who need comfort, Lord God, for restoring those who have lost so much, Father. We thank you, God, for, for protecting those uh, that, that are close to us, Father God. We praise you for that, Lord, and we just ask for your healing power to, to flow into that area, and we just thank you, Lord, that you, you give us a part to play in that. Uh, through our prayers and through our support, we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, on to some, uh, some, some really fun stuff. Next week. Does anybody know what next week is? It's our picnic. Yeah, it's our annual picnic. We always have a great time on Picnic Sunday. It's going to be right here. Uh, we have it out back in the field, and it's going to be great. And let me tell you what, picnic is special. Picnic is special to us. It's not just like, oh, it's like another day, you know, it's another thing that we got to do around here. Picnic, I mean, t- this church, if you go here very long, you find out we're really into relationships around here. This church is into relationships because we found out that God's into relationships. He's a relational God, and he's called us to live in relationship with each other, to form these connections with each other. We just found out after 30 years of being a church, we, we've discovered, you know, after all that time, you learn some things, and you find out that people uh, grow better, they grow more spiritually, they're, they flourish more in their life when they're doing it together, when they're forming connections with each other. Amen? Have you found that to be true? I certainly have. So the picnic is part of that. The picnic is when we get to, like, be most ourselves. It's like who we are. So I am so excited. It's that's why it's so special to us, the picnic Sunday. And uh, so we invite you to come. Make sure you bring neighbors, bring your friends, because we're going to have a good time uh, just to kind of give you a heads up. The service, so we're going to have service. It's usually a little bit shorter, so we'll, and uh, all the kids are going to be in here with us. It'll be one of our all-generation services. Mel's going to be helping me teach on that morning, so we're going to be giving you one of those awesome tag team services that your kids are going to love, and you're going to love, and it's going to be fun. And then we're going to go out there and just eat like crazy, and there's lots of games, and there's all kinds of you know, inflatables, and unfortunately, there's a clown, I was told, but I couldn't do, I couldn't do anything about it. I put my foot down, and they were like, that doesn't mean anything, apparently, so <clears throat> there will be a clown. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, that's okay. But uh, there'll be lots of games, volleyball, tons of food. We've got food coming uh, from Church's Fried Chicken, uh, tr- food coming from Raising Cane's Chicken. It's going to be so good. Woo! Yeah, we like Raising Cane's. So... And just so, if, if you're kind of new to a church, what we usually do is we ask everybody, like, bring a side. Bring, like, your favorite thing, whatever it is, like, your family's all about. You know, if it's, like, mac and cheese, that's awesome. I'll be in that line. Um, you know, but whatever it is, bring a big side, you know, enough to feed, you know, your, your family and, and maybe a few, few others. Because here's something really fun we're doing this year. This year, you know, we got to thinking. And uh, Mel, as you know, Mel is, is over our Rayford Hope ministry. And so we got together with Mel, and we were like... Uh, how can, we, how can we amp this up a notch? How can we do picnic even better than we've done before? We want to just not make picnic about us. We want it to be some, a way for us to reach out and form those connections and those relationships because that's what we're about, right? That, that's a wasted opportunity if we're not doing that, right? And so we, we decided, yeah, in fact, let's target this neighborhood. We got a little neighborhood right here beside us, this Rayford Ridge, and uh, there's only about 193 homes in this neighborhood. And so we went out and, over the weekend and gave them all a little invitation, a personal 
personal invitation to come to our picnic next week and bring their kids and have fun just because we're neighbors. We want to be good neighbors, right? And so we're just praying for a whole bunch of those people to come over and just, just have fun with us next week. And so um, we just encourage you, if you see people you don't know, be like an ambassador family and like go over there and be like, hey, come into our little circle because, you know, you bring your chairs and that sort of thing. Come over here, bring your blanket and invite them in there and invite them into your circle and talk to them. And, and uh, we're going to have just a great time. I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Did I say all that right? Did I include all the good information? Okay, cool, cool. So, because so, we got extra people, you might want to make a little bit extra too of your side. You know, you might want to make two pots of macaroni and cheese. That would be cool. Um, and none of it will go to waste because I'll be there. <laughs> I promise. Okay, uh, let's see. The picnic's going on. Hey, you know what else is happening tomorrow that's really, really fun is I'm excited about is Generations Church is going to be uh, the site for this side of the freeway for early voting. That starts in the morning. So for our community, there's a big bond issue. I'm sure a lot of you know about that or you've heard about it or maybe you're uh, interested in learning some more about that. But anyway, I can't really tell you which way to vote, but we're going to be a place to vote. And what's super, super exciting here, uh, Christian Wall, she's a good friend of mine over here, and he, he's on the Oak Ridge City Council. He said that this is the first time, like ever, there's been an early voting site on this side of the freeway. Everybody on, you know, down in all these wonderful neighborhoods down here on Rayford, on, and our neighborhoods have always had to go into the woodlands. So this is really, really cool. So we get to be like this, uh, you know, a part of our community. So that's exciting. That's exciting. And so um, we're excited about that, and they're going to come and, and uh, get to see, you know, a lot of people get to come in and, and see the church, and we'll, we'll be nice to them and give them coffee and that kind of stuff. So it'll be, it'll be awesome. So if you, if you live over here or if you live anywhere, you can come vote here for the next two weeks. Um, yeah, so that'll be cool. Let's see. Talked about that. All right. I think it's time to preach. Hallelujah. All right. You guys ready? You guys ready to receive the word? Hallelujah. We are in a series called F.A. Q, real answers to life's frequently asked questions. And so let's just jump right on into that today. We're, we're, what we're doing in this series, we're tackling head on some, like, some of those big questions, those big questions like your neighbors have that you probably have, those uh, conundrums that everybody has in the world, those problems and objections people have with God, uh, problems people have with the church, different things like that, that they may ask you and you may not really know a good solid answer to some of these things yourself. Um, and last time, a couple of weeks ago when we started, we talked about the number one objection, which was why do bad things happen uh, to good people? You know, why, why does God allow suffering in the world? And, and hopefully that blessed you. Today, we're tackling number two on the list. This was the number two uh, most asked question among people in a, in a survey of uh, the biggest questions people have. And this goes for people who are in the church who are out of the church, who are like longtime believers, people who are just sort of like still exploring, you know, what is this Jesus thing about? And that question is, why are there unanswered prayers? What is the deal with unanswered prayers and how do we deal with it? Um, there was a, a story about a, a pastor who, uh, a pastor of a little church, and he would pray uh, every Sunday before the service, he'd come down to the front, the front altar, before anybody got there, and he'd be praying. He'd walk back and forth and pray and pray and pray. And one day, this little five-year-old uh, kid, this little boy walked in and saw the pastor praying. And the little boy just walked up there, just like, you know, children do, because they're bold. They just walk up there, and he said, Pastor, why are, you, why are you always up here praying before church? 
And the pastor said, well, I come up here before every, t- every time I preach a sermon, I come up here and I pray that God would help me just deliver a really, really good sermon for people, that he would just anoint me and help me to deliver that great sermon. And that little boy said, well, according to my daddy, I don't think it's working. <laughs> so sometimes prayer doesn't seem to get the results we want. Uh, that was kind of like a Joel Osteen joke, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, so sometimes we all have to deal with the frustration um, of, of unanswered prayer, the challenges, and sometimes it's heartache of unanswered prayer. Now, in case you're new to this church, just to kind of give you a, a heads up, a little background, this church, we are taught how to pray. We talk a lot about how to pray, and it's really exciting when God answers prayer. Am I right? That's awesome. It is the best. And you know, if you go to Generations Very Long, that we've explored how to use your faith, the power of your faith. And, and if we took the time this morning, and I passed the mic around to 100 of you, I imagine we could hear 100 awesome testimonies of when God specifically came into your life and answered, uh, answered a specific prayer of your heart. Because this is a praying church. Amen? Make no mistake, this is a praying church. And in fact, one of our core values is that we pray epic prayers. We pray epic prayers because we know bold, heroic prayers honor God. God is honored by heroic, bold prayers, right? We don't want to give him anything less than that. And, and God isn't offended by, you, you know, your biggest dreams, your boldest prayers. He loves them. The bolder, the better. The more impossible the better because that's where his name gets glorified, right? God loves your bold prayers. And there's no thrill in the world like answered prayer. Nothing like it. Think of the times that you've prayed and God has met you in your point of need. I know so many people in here could say, yes, that is me. It is the best thing on earth. There's no joy like it. I know God answers prayer. I know he answers prayer. Just look at the wife he gave me. Look at this fine woman that he gave me. God answers prayer, people. Just, okay, I won't ask you to stand, but oh, he must answer prayer for me to end up with a woman like that, right? Holy moly. I hit the marriage jackpot, right? I know you're probably looking at her going, honey, what did you do wrong, (laughs) right? Someone didn't pray more specific enough. (laughs) I'm so glad. Right? He answered my prayers. And and the Bible makes clear God wants us to pray. Right? So so unanswered prayer doesn't mean like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if we pray or not. God's just going to do what he wants. He makes it very clear in his word. He wants us to pray about everything. He wants us to pray about our wants, our desires, our hopes, our dreams, things that we know are his revealed will. He wants us to pray for his kingdom to come. We know, we know prayer works. Prayer works. Can I get an amen? Amen. But... Prayer works, but I love the way um, Dr. Mark Rutland, if y'all remember, he came here. Uh, we just had the, the greatest uh, honor of getting to meet him and spend a little time with him. We've heard him speak a few times. He's this brilliant man. He was uh, one time president of ORU, and he's with another church right now. But I love the way he put it once. He said this. 
He's a good spirit-filled man. He, he, he believes in prayer. He said this, about this, I have no doubt that the prayer of faith absolutely works, except when it doesn't. <laughs> I was like, are we allowed to say that? Right? He said it. I guess it's okay now. Right? The prayer of faith, it absolutely works, except when it doesn't. And that's when we're left wondering what happened. Right? I'm just being honest, right? A recent national survey uh, discovered that 90% of Americans pray. 90% of Americans pray. And 95% of those have said that they have uh, had answered prayer, that they have experienced answered prayer in their life. But this same article states that among Americans who have stopped going to church and stopped practicing their faith for some reason, one of the number one reasons is unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer. There's nothing more spiritually debilitating than a string of unanswered prayers. Have you ever been there? You call heaven, and nobody seems to be home. Right? Those times, we've all been there. We've all got friends and family. We pray. We prayed for that sick person. They're a good person. We pray. We prayed in faith, and they got relocated to heaven, you know? Or those times we ask for something. It seems so good and right, right? This is going to, like, further the ministry, you know? I've experienced that, man. Oh, God, you got to do this. It's going it's to be great for the church. And the answer never came, at least in the way I thought it would. And so if you felt this way, if you've ever felt this way, you know what? You're in good company. First of all, I want you to relax. You're in good company. Don't feel alone. You're not evil. And I wonder how many of us today, the same ones of us who could give a great testimony, could take that mic and give an awesome testimony of answered prayer, we could also raise our hand and go, yeah, you know, I've actually I've wondered why certain prayers haven't gone answered in my life that financial breakthrough I needed, that job that I really needed, that healing. Maybe it's a family member. You're, you're praying for their salvation, and you're still praying for them, you know, a child or a brother or sister or a family member, of, and you're still praying. Well, this morning I want to deal with this as, as real and authentically as possible, okay? Can I do that? I'm not going to throw a bunch of religious sayings at you that I really don't believe, I want to be authentic about this. Um, we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about it, and it does have much to say about this subject. And hopefully, my prayer is that we can, we can come out of this with some encouragement for some of you. So, why? Why is there unanswered prayer? And how do we deal with it? Well, first of all, let me state right off the bat something so you can know where I'm coming from. I think the question itself isn't entirely accurate because I think God actually answers all of our prayers. I just believe that. I believe God answers all of our prayers. I believe no prayer goes unanswered. But I understand what we mean by the question. Um, the pastor, Bill Hybels, famous guy, he once wrote a, a little poem that I, I have found pretty helpful. It's got some truth in it. It goes like this. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says, go. Now, that's pretty cool. There's, there's some truth in that. And, but what we're going to do this morning is we're going to unpack and kind of deconstruct this a little bit and see if there's maybe more 
to the story. Today, I want to offer us four situations that can help explain it when it feels like prayers have gone unanswered. All right, are you ready? Are you ready? If you're taking notes, here's number one. Number one, the request is off. Here's a scenario where maybe your prayers are going unanswered. The request is off. Some prayers, however uh, sincerely motivated they are, the request is just inappropriate, okay? And so a loving God is going to say no, right? God, help me win the lottery so I don't have to go back to work. Uh, You know, your heart might be in the right place, but God actually said work is good for you. So that's probably, he's probably going to say no to that, right? God does not give us all that we ask for. He's not a genie. He's a father. And as C.S. Lewis so brilliantly put one time in one of his books, he is God. He calls himself God the Father, not God the Grandfather. <laughs> right? There's a big difference. Right? We, kinda, we, we talk about God the Father, and really in our minds, we got this like, idea of like God's my grandpa. God the Grandpa. He's up there just like laughing at my sin and giving me everything I want. <laughs> right? But a father is different than a grandfather. A father wants different things for his son than a grandfather does, which I can attest to. And since he's not here, I'll talk about him. This man, my dad, who didn't give me everything I want, I wanted growing up, gives my son everything he wants. No questions asked. And he comes home, just, and it takes me a week to get him unspoiled. Right? But we have a God who is a father. In, in the Bible, the disciples... Um, Sometimes they offered well-intentioned but inappropriate requests. There was a story in Mark chapter 10. Two of the disciples, James and John, these guys were awesome. They asked Jesus if they could have the most important seats in the house of heaven. James and John, they wanted, they wanted to sit on either side of the crown. They're like, Jesus, you're going to go up there. You're going to be sitting on your crown, on your, on, your, on your throne. We just want to sit on either side. We, we just sit there like, like the princes of heaven, Right? <laughs> That's awesome. And Jesus said, no, I'm sorry. Actually, actually, the ones who want to be first have to be the servant of all. That's how it works in my kingdom, right? So I, I can't help it. Every time I think about this story, I think like probably now just to kind of rib them, like James and John are the servants. They're like the servants up there. And so you like come through the pearly gates. And like James is standing. He's got to like put the little Hawaiian lei on you. <laughs> Welcome to heaven. John's there with like a tray of coffee or something. I don't know. I have no idea. That's not biblical. <laughs> there was a... <laughs> it's just my insane sense of justice. There's another story in Luke 10, in Luke chapter 9. The disciples got really upset one time because they wanted to travel through this city, and the city told them no. And so they rejected Jesus. The city just rejected Jesus. And these disciples who had been walking with Jesus, talk, you know, preaching with Jesus, watching Jesus talk about salvation and love and, you know, all this relationship with the Father, they were so offended by this, they said, Jesus, let's call down fire. Let's call down fire from heaven. Please, 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 please. Fire, fire. Let's call down fire on the city. They were excited. They wanted to do this. And Jesus is like, for real? (laughs) He just shakes his head, right? Really? Have you heard nothing that I've been preaching about? I didn't come. I I came to seek and save the lost, not burn them up. Right? Oh, my goodness. I did not come to torch people. came to transform people. The disciples, oh, I admit it, you've done the same, right? When's the last time you were on I-45, 
heading through this construction, and everybody's slowing down. That one race car driver just pulls right in front of you, cuts you off, right? And you're like, fire from heaven! In Jesus' name, with the love of Jesus, fire! Do it, Lord. Burn him. Right? Or some, some business makes us mad, and we're like, Lord, can we go picket him? Let us picket him. I got my signs all ready. It says, turn or burn. I'm ready. And Jesus is like, oh, oh. For real? Um, Even the most spiritual Christians experience what seems like unanswered prayer when really the the request itself is just off. The Apostle Paul, a famous account in 2 Corinthians 12, he talked about something that he called a thorn in his flesh. And he talked about this thorn in the flesh, and theologians have talked about what this thorn might be, and there's a lot of debate. I don't know what it is. Some, some people believe it could be like an actual physical ailment, you know, something hurting him. Some people believe it could be like a, like a person who was just antagonizing him, like following him around, stalking him, and something like this. Some people believe, uh, some theologians believe this could be like a, um, some sort of a, a craving, an addiction, or an inclination that he, he prayed to be free of. Three times he prayed for God to deliver him. And God's answer to the greatest evangelist who has ever lived, no. God's answer was no. Another occasion, Paul asked a group of believers to pray that he would be delivered from his enemies in Jerusalem. Instead, he was arrested, imprisoned, and eventually martyred. So we desperately, we desperately want God to give us what we want. Meanwhile, God wants to give us himself. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Did I put that up there? There we go. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He wants to give us of himself. So in the midst of our greatest faith, and we should have faith, we simply must leave room in the equation for God's agenda in the matter. We have to leave room in there for God's agenda. Sometimes God knows that we ask for things that, that are not in our best interest. How many of you have looked back and realized that happened in your life, right? As you know, I am very, very hesitant to go to country music for my theology or for anything. But Garth Brooks... Song, the late great Garth. No, he's not dead. Uh, he wrote a song. Thank God for unanswered prayers. And so, if you don't know the song, the chorus kind of plays out how he he was going out with this girl, you know, back in high school, and he had fervently prayed God would bring them together, but it didn't happen. It didn't work out. Now today, he's you know he's married to this nice, wonderful woman. He's got a family, and he takes a trip back to his hometown. He takes a trip back there, and he sees the girl that he once prayed for. And he says, thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> how often, how often do we pray for things we think is in our best interest and, and God saves us from the desires that would have turned out really bad for us? He knows these things. And so what we perceive sometimes as unanswered prayer, that is often the greatest answer staring us in the face. Sometimes the silence that we hear after the prayer is the answer from God. And our Heavenly Father is far too wise, and He loves you far too much to give you everything you ask for. 
right? Someday, I believe, we'll, we'll thank God for the prayers he didn't answer as much as for the ones he did. So God wants us to come to him in prayer. He wants us to come, and he desires that relationship with us, but sometimes the request is off. Okay, the number two, number two scenario is sometimes we are off. Sometimes we're off. Sometimes there's something going on on our end that is short-circuiting the answer to our prayer. And just looking through Scripture here, there's, there's a, a sh- I want to give you kind of a short list of examples of ways that we can be off. One way is through unresolved conflict. A lot of times we underestimate this, but the Bible makes it really clear that our prayers are ineffective because we haven't really done the work of resolving conflict, especially, especially when it's led to unforgiveness festering in our heart. Especially then. Look, I'm sorry, but Jesus is really clear on this. He says when we don't forgive, we're in bad shape when it comes to receiving anything from the Father. When we don't forgive. Matthew 5 He said this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So I think we hugely underestimate sometimes how important relational community and harmony is in God's eyes. In fact, you husbands out there, there's a scripture for you. Listen, look at this one. You might need to read it. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Melissa reminds me of this all the time. That's why your prayers aren't getting answered. You're going to be nice to me. Right? Oh, she doesn't. I'm just kidding. That was just for comedic effect, baby. You're perfect. Right. Um, another way that we can be off is unrepented sin. Unrepented sin. Uh, ongoing, unrepented sin will absolutely stifle miracles in your life. Now, am I saying you've got to be perfect and never sin? No, no, no. We're, we're talking about something very specific here. An ongoing, unrepented sin, okay? Why? Because God is a good father. Remember what this is about. So he, what, what is he into? Relationship. He's a good dad, And he wants you to become more like Jesus. And he wants you free from misery. He wants you free from bondage even more than you want him to give you that new truck. He wants you free. There's a story in the Old Testament uh, where Joshua and the armies of Israel went into battle. They They were going up against this other army, and they thought, man, we got these guys licked, right? It's going to be awesome. We're going to go in there and take names. And they go into battle. They're like, yeah, we're overcomers. We're heading out the tail. And they go in there, and they get wiped out, the Israelites. They get wiped out. And, and it says that Joshua and the elders come limping back into camp. And God, and they, oh, and they fall, their, fall on their faces in prayer. So they fall on their faces, and God's response is swift. He says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. God's saying, this isn't the time for you to keep praying. There is sin in the camp. What was, and it turned out there was. There was this ongoing sin that they were allowing to stay in the camp. So what was required in this situation was not more prayer, but confronting sin. Sometimes God wants us to resolve something before 
he wants to answer our prayer. For example, I mean, just think about, this is kind of obvious. Say there's a guy who's like abusing his wife, and he's praying for God. God, just make her love me more, right? God isn't going to do squat until he stops abusing his wife, right? And probably spends a little time in jail, <laughs> right? His prayers aren't going anywhere. So another way we can be off is selfishness. This is like wrong motives. And in James 4, 3, he says, when you ask, you do not receive. Oh, why? Because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That's pretty clear, right? I mean, there it is. It's New Testament. It's right there. How many times have we, have we prayed for people to change so that we don't have to? <laughs> right? When maybe instead of, instead when we get that person who is, they're getting on every last nerve you got, maybe we ought to be praying, God, show me how I can grow in this situation. How can I mature? How can I become more Christ-like here? Another way that we're often responsible for the unanswered prayer, we're not asking. This happens a lot. This is, it seems ridiculous, but it actually happens a lot. And I have to admit, I'm, I'm guilty of this all the time. We have this natural tendency to, to believe it's more up to what we're doing, to what we do, uh, than what God does. And we'll, so we'll go to counselors, we'll work harder, we'll go to a conference, we'll read our Bible, we'll do almost anything but pray and spend the time in prayer, right? And then we blame God for the unanswered prayer, but in reality, we didn't really pray so much as just do a whole lot of wishing, and wishing ain't praying, right? Here's your tweetable moment, number 11. <laughs> wishing isn't praying. My, my challenge to you today is this. Pray first. Pray first. Very often, we, we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not, right? That's pretty good. That ought to be a scripture. Oh, wait, it is. There it is. We have not because we ask not. Mark Batterson, uh, writer of the book, The Circle Maker, he said this, the greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Here's one more way we can be off on our end, is we're not praying in faith. We're not praying in faith. One time in Mark chapter 6, Jesus went to his he went to his own hometown, and it says that he couldn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. We have to believe that God is able and willing to work in our life. We have to believe. He is able and willing. Is he able? Yes. He is the God who split the Red Sea, who fed the 5,000, who opened the grave, who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen? This is the God. He calmed the raging storms. Our God is able. Our God is powerful. But we have to wrap our prayers in trust. And look, here's the other side of that. Trust means that we have to also trust him to do what he wants to do no matter what when we pray. I, I think we've got to be as willing when we pray, when we make that request, to accept a no as a yes. We have to pray with that attitude. And Daniel... I love this story. The three Hebrew children. Oh, man. They believed that God was able to save them from the fire. They were fixing to get the death penalty. Right? And the king was about to throw them in the fire for not bowing down to him. 
And so completely did they trust God with their lives that they said, yeah, he's going to save us. We believe he's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to serve him. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. That's trust. Faith, faith isn't believing that God has to do what you say. As if he's a slave to everything you command him to do. Okay? Faith is making your request known to your Father, the Father in heaven who loves you, and trusting in him to answer your prayer in the way that he knows best. See, that is faith born out of relationship. Uh, This is a little teaching moment here. That's faith born out of relationship, not born out of a contract. Relationship-centered faith says, I trust you, God. I trust you. So sometimes our, faith's, our, our faith is the problem. Um, but, but look, we got to be really careful here. Because all too often, for some reason, this is the first place Christians jump to explain unanswered prayer. The first place we want to jump is, un- is we blame faith. Someone didn't get healed, must have been their faith. Right? But look, don't be so quick to assign blame. Don't be so quick to assign blame for unanswered prayers. In fact, I I believe this now, and I've probably been guilty of this in the past, but now I, I really believe that this, jumping to this conclusion, this kind of speculation is probably one of the cruelest forms of religiosity that we can inflict on people. It's called shooting the wounded, right? There must have been something wrong with your faith. And it ignores the reality of of these other explanations for why prayer goes unanswered. And and there's a third explanation here. Sometimes the request is off. Sometimes it's because we're off. But oftentimes, you know what? It's because the world is off. The world is off. And this is probably one of the most uh, heartbreaking and frustrating of reasons we face hardship. Right? We live in a fallen world. Just look at the news yesterday. Exhibit A. We live in a fallen world, and there are things that happen in this world that, quite honestly, we're just not going to understand. Deuteronomy 29, it gives some insight into this mystery that there are secret things that belong to the Lord. We're not going to understand everything there is to know about the way things are. And as believers, see, we exist in this kingdom. We call it the, the already but not yet kingdom. It's a beautiful kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said when he came 2,000 years ago, he said, the kingdom is among you. It's already here. Feast your eyes on it, right? And you and I, we get to walk in that kingdom. You and I expand the boundaries of the kingdom with every step we take. It is the, it is the already kingdom. It's already here, but it's also the not yet kingdom because we live in a world that has not yet been remade perfect, right? And as crushing a victory as, as it was when Jesus went up on the cross and defeated death, hell, and the grave, there are still some things in this world that, are not, that we see are not submitted to the Lord. And, and we won't see those things submitted until he comes again. And so we have to remember, see, this is the hard part. We have to remember, we live in a war zone. We live in a war zone. Never forget, you were created for the battle. This will save you a whole lot of frustration, Right? You never see a soldier in the middle of the battle like, hey, they're shooting at us. Throw his gun down. Why can't everybody just get along? I don't understand this, right? It's battle, right? 
He knows what he's there for. So never forget this. However sun, you know, bright the sun is shining, you got money in the bank, you got a beautiful wife, never forget for a second there is a battle raging and you have an enemy. Right? And sometimes, sometimes we see the innocent fallen. We see comrades fall because sometimes bad things happen to good people. And there are earthquakes and hurricanes and job layoffs, car crashes. And there are just unexplainable things that take place. And sometimes it's not because anybody deserved it or because your faith was too weak or because of anything you could have reasonably predicted. It's the consequences of living in a fallen world. It's because we live here. And as believers, we were created for the battle. Here's the good news. We were created to stand in the gap for other people. There was a battle raging. We were created for the battle. We were created to preach the gospel of hope and salvation to this world, right? And the hope that God brings, it isn't hope that all of a sudden we're going to get to live heartache free. But no, it is hope. It, it is the hope that there is hope beyond the heartache. That is the good news. There is hope beyond the heartache. There is a victory on the other side of this battle. And that is the hope that we bring people. And, and that there is a loving God who never leaves you, he never forsakes you, no matter what you're facing or how long you've been praying. God hears your prayer and he loves you. And guess what? Your ultimate victory has already been decided, right? You win in Jesus' name, you win. So there's this place each of us has to get to at some point in our lives. It's this place of trust. See, we keep coming back to that. It's a place of trust, we have to invest in our relationship with God, and you've got to do it now. So like, if you're going through good times right now, I always say, now's where you need to invest in that relationship with God, right? So that when the troubles hit, you're not thrown into confusion, but you can just run back to that place of trust. You've already deposited into that account, right? You live in that place of trust. So when bad things happen, it's like, whoa, I didn't know this was going to happen. No, 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 you just run into that place of trust, even when you don't understand, Okay, here's another consequence of living in the world. The world is off. Here's another consequence is that you and God are not the only players in the game. Okay? There's about 7 billion other human beings, all with the free will of their own. You share this planet with right now, growing every day. So sometimes, see, we pray for God to do something in a relationship or in the heart of somebody else, and we pray for that. And the truth is God, he moves, he goes into action, he influences us, and he woos us through his Holy Spirit, but he doesn't violate that very special part of you that makes you different from animals or angels, that thing that makes you an image bearer of God, and that is your free will, right? You, you are that amazing, unexplainable meeting of dirt and the divine because you have free will, right? And God doesn't, he doesn't violate that. So he woos, but he doesn't violate. So as we talked a couple weeks ago, we talked about why bad things happen to good people. Often, God resists intervening directly because he's a relational God, his relational nature. So he is, he is looking, his relational desire is for you and I to be the hands of love, the hands of healing to other people. And so think about it the other way. Oftentimes when you're waiting for your answer, you're waiting for an answer from God to your prayers, you're waiting for that answer, it's because God is searching. He's searching because he's a relational God, so he's searching for a willing heart. 
who will answer his call to intervene in your life. Because that's the way he likes to do things. He likes us to be relational. So you got to be patient because he's searching. And sometimes that takes time, which brings us to our fourth and final reason why prayer seems to go unanswered sometimes, and that is the timing may be off. The timing may be off. It could be the request is right, and you're right, but the timing's just not quite right yet. Because God knows the perfect timing. He does. But that can be frustrating, right? Because it feels like a no. It feels like you just got to know when really it's just a timing thing. And the reason why it's frustrating, especially for us, is because we like live in America and we like things fast, right? We like fast food. We like fast cars, fast Wi-Fi, right? We want that check-in center to work fast. I want, my, I want to check in my kid now, right? I don't want to wait 15 more seconds for that thing to respond, right? And we just want to punch it. But because we're, we're like into fast things. Maybe you don't. I just, that's me. Um, and every wise parent knows that there are some things <laughs> that children demand that might be even good things. Your kids might be asking for a good thing at the appropriate time, right? And so sometimes you have to restrain from giving it too early. A cell phone's really cool. The internet's great, but mm, maybe not for an 11-year-old. You know, why? Well, that's, that's between you, but I'm just saying why. Because you don't want to ruin your children. You want them to mature, right? You want the things that you give them to be a blessing and not a cursing. So you hold things back because you love them. The timing's not right. So, uh, so that's good parenting. Would we call good parenting if a parent was like wired to say yes to everything a child asked for? Right? If everything your child asked for growing up, you had to say yes. Would that be good news? <laughs> no. That would cause a lot of problems. And God takes the eternal view. He takes a long view of things, right? And he's an eternal God, so you could say it's a very long view. He takes an eternal view of things. I'm convinced the, the number one reason that prayers go unanswered is because we give up and we simply quit praying. That's, that's the number one reason they go unanswered. We quit praying. We give up too easily. We give up too soon. We quit praying right, in, right before the miracle happens. I believe persistence is the magic bullet to prayer. And, and the only way you can fail is if you stop praying. Mark Batterson he pointed this out in his book. 100% of the prayers that I don't pray won't get answered. 100% of them. Look, this is very real to me. This is personal to all of us. <clears throat> I've got a little boy who, right after he was born, we realized pretty quickly he was allergic to, like, everything. And especially what he ate. He can't have any dairy or milk or butter or cheese or anything like that. And then he's allergic to eggs. So we can't have anything that, with an egg. He can't even touch it to his skin. He'll get a little blister if he touches it, right? And so he was born and we prayed. We come from a, a prayer kind of house. And I, I was healed of allergies. You probably heard my dad talk about that when I was a kid. So we prayed, right? And we prayed. And we're still praying. We're still praying. And I remember at five years old, my little boy Jules, when he was, he's 11 now, when he was five, he said, Daddy, I can't wait for God to heal me of this. We're going to have a big party. And Nan and Poppy and Gigi and Popo and all our friends are going to come over. We're going to eat all the food that I can't eat. 
And I was like, you bet we are, buddy. In Jesus' name we are. And we prayed. Now that can get tough. But not too long ago, I can't tell you how it breaks a father's heart, tucking him into bed, and when he goes, Daddy, why, how come I'm still not healed? Why can't I eat all this stuff? Right? And you just have to suck it up and say, you know what? We have a good God. You have a God that loves you, and he's got something good in store. God has a miracle in store. We believe it's coming. And in the meantime, we believe God is going to use you to minister to people, and he's going to use you to, to minister comfort to people who have even worse allergies than you do. And he's, there's going to be a great miracle that comes out of this, right? And his name is going to be praised because that's what it's about. He is going to get some glory out of this in Jesus' name. But that can be tough. It can be tough. Mark Batterson wrote, Just as our greatest successes often come on the heels of our greatest failures, our greatest answers often come on the heels of our longest and most boring prayers. <laughs> right? You may be thinking, man, this is getting old. That's the time to dig in and keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. That's why trust is so important. Faith isn't, isn't going to make everything happen at the snap of your fingers. Right? But here's what developing your faith will do. It'll help you develop an eternal view of things. It'll help you start seeing things from God's point of view. It'll help you develop a trust that God has heard you and his hand is in motion. He has heard you and his hand is in motion. Timing is everything. The reality is sometimes God delays because there's just work that needs to be done in us. Sometimes God delays because delaying the response is going to bring greater glory to his name. I mean, think about it. Uh, uh, Jesus could have walked on water before the storm hit, right? But that wouldn't have been as good of a story, right? He could have healed Lazarus before Lazarus died. He could have healed him from the next town over. He did that for somebody else. He just healed a guy's friend from the next town over. This time he was like, "Now nah, we'll do it later, right? He could have done that. God could have split the Red Sea way before the Israelites got there and got all desperate, you know, and the Egyptians right on their heels. He could have done it a long time before, but he waited long enough that his glory would be maximized. And that's God. He deserves it. So we have to go back. This is my conclusion. We have to go back and remember what prayer ultimately is. What prayer ultimately is. Prayer is not a magic wand to get what we want. Ultimately, prayer is a conversation with someone who loves you more than anybody in the world. Prayer is a conversation with the God who, he wants you to live relationally with him. He wants you to live relationally with other people. Prayer is not a contract. It is a conversation. So let me encourage you this morning. You may have not, you may not have seen the answer to your prayer, but your prayer is never wasted. Your prayer is never wasted. Never in the kingdom of God, nothing goes to waste. Your prayer is never wasted. Because guess what? Guess what? Let's say even if your request is off, he answers your prayer by changing us. If we're off, he answers our prayer by growing us. And if the world has fallen and we don't understand everything that happens around us, he still answers the prayer by comforting us. 
And even if the timing is off, it's not a wasted prayer. Just don't give up. We haven't seen the answer yet. Don't give up. And if he doesn't say yes to your prayer, then open up your eyes and say, what else is God doing in my life? What else is going on here? How can God turn this around for my good? God's no is not a rejection. It's a redirection. It's not a rejection. It's a redirection. If God says no, what we need to do is look for the better yes that's on its way. Because that's our God. Never forget why you're in this world either. Never forget. You are here to become more like Jesus every day. And you are here to be his image bearers to other people while you're here. That's why you're here, to be his hands. So very likely, it's very likely sitting here right here this morning, you are God's answer to somebody's prayers that they've been praying for a long time. And you're the answer. You're the hands and feet of that answer. So never stop praying because prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer works. It's working right now, even as we speak. Amen? Amen. So now, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, we love you. But God, we know it can't compare to how much you love us. And I'm speechless when I think about that, Father. Why you should love us, I don't know, but you do. You care for us. Your mercy is new every single morning. Your patience is long, even when we're frustrated and angry and we blame you for things, Father. Your loving kindness never ends. I thank you, Lord God, that people are here, I know, who are praying for things. And they might want to be discouraged by that. And the enemy out there wants to discourage them, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you love them. And that you just give us a reassurance that you are on the case. Your hand is in motion, Lord. We thank you for miracles. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for those times when you do answer just the way we hoped you would. Those are wonderful times. We thank you, Lord God, for growing us up so that we can recognize the miracle when you answer in other ways, too. We can recognize your hand in those things and give you just as much glory and just as much praise. Because you are God. We are not God. You are God. We praise you and honor you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, Are you glad you came this morning? Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward right now. If you're ready for something to change in your life, prayer works. If you need someone to believe in faith, to stand in faith with you, prayer works. If you're ready for the hand of God to get into motion, you're ready to put it into his hands and trust him that he's going to turn the situation out to the perfect way, the way he knows it ought to be turned out. Come on up and let these people pray with you. They're full of faith. They'll agree with you. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next week on Picnic Sunday.